The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Hello, ladies. Well, this is officially the most intimidating environment imaginable. What in the world? Well, uh, typically I don't get that nervous whenever I speak, but I think being in a room filled with women and talking about communication, (laughs) it's pretty intimidating. So let's get started. Um, All right, so what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to talk about social media, and I'll go ahead and let you know I'm not a big fan of social media, but a lot of it's because I don't have the time for it, because um, I do have a wife and four kids, and a full-time job, and a part-time job, uh, assistant coach of a baseball team, who uh, right now, what's the opposite of undefeated? Yeah. We've got, an all, we've got an all-defeated season so far. <laughs> who show a lot of promise <laughs> in practice. I told, uh, I told somebody the other day, they were asking how our baseball season was going, and I said, it's exactly like the beginning of every kid's sports movie. We're still waiting for everything to, you know, click or to have like a washed up Major League Baseball player come coach us for community service or something. (laughs) Anyway, I I don't have time for it. Um, And I started going back to school. So, yeah. Yay. All right. So, but I also want to talk about it. uh, In reality, it seems like the, the social media culture is changing the fabric of our nation. And it's uh, the student, especially kids that are growing up in this culture, we are the, it, social media, oh, and, and in an overarching way, I see a danger because of the way that communication is taking place and the way that it is teaching us how to think and not just how to think, but also what to think. And so I want to talk about that. And we're going to, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to approach this in ways that probably most people don't do. I'm going to talk about a couple of different books that I think have been really influential because I think we should read books. And, um, and I want to talk about um, really what's happening in our culture, both in, I think this is pertinent for us as adults, but also the fact that most of you have influence on little tiny lives as well. And we want to help to disciple young people to be Christians in the real world. And unfortunately, what we're seeing in social media is a misrepresentation of the world in which we live in. And so um, what I've entitled this is Social Media as Purposed Resistance. And, uh, and specifically for us as believers, as believers, we need to be living our lives, all of our lives, as Christians. And that means if you're going to be a Christian, you need to be a Christian in real life, in the way that you think, in the way that you speak, and also in an online presence. And so the first thing I want to I really talk about is that we know that 
as believers, we are not at home in this world. This is, we are sojourners and exiles in this world that we, are, we need to learn how to live in exile knowing that this world is against us. This world and this culture is against us. It's contrary to Christianity. And so what's crazy is that what takes up so much of our lives is our interaction with the world. And so we need to be really careful Um, in understanding the way that we're representing Christianity. And so I think, one, we need to know that our lives, we are, we are living in real spiritual warfare, that, that there is an eternal battle going on, and it's going on for your soul and the souls of those around you. And if, and that happens wherever you are spending your time, even if that's online. So I want to think about social media and and the internet, really, as a, as a uh, virtual theater of spiritual warfare. Right, because that's what's happening. This is where people are living and this is where the attack is happening. And we need to know that if we're Christians here, then again, we need to realize we're sojourners. How do we live in exile? And we need to realize that we are, if you are a Christian, a real Christian acting like a Christian online, you will be attacked for that. That's gonna happen, especially in our culture now because it used to be that like if we had arguments or disagreements, we would just you know, try to reason through them, talk through it, and instead now it's just like, no, I'm canceling you, which is crazy. And then let's just get everybody else to join in against this one person, right? And so we need to understand that the culture is going to be against us and to not be surprised if you're attacked because of your Christianity if you're living it online. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? So, and that's what scripture says, right? Scripture says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, all these notes, if you want these notes, you can, I'll just email them to you. You can just email them to me, or my email address is really difficult. It's Zach, Z-A-C-H, at swoutfitters.com. So if you get confused, just try to think of the place that you were just at, go to that website, and find my face, and click on it, and then just say, hey, can I get your notes? And we'll do it. Um, that way, because I see a couple people taking pictures. You don't need to do that. Just, I've got them. I'll give them to you. All right. I can even take pictures of each one if you want, and I'll text them to you. <laughs> just, just tag me online. All right. Um, all right. So, but look at this. This is, this is where we need to understand that, right, living as a Christian is countercultural, and you're going to receive resistance, right? Beloved, do not be surprised at that he's talking to Christians. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as if something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in the sufferings of Christ that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Look at this. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So time out. If you are being an, an actual representative of Christ online, you are gonna get resistance. If you get attacked for that, you are blessed. You understand that? Because they, Jesus promised, right? The world hates me, they're gonna hate you if you're following me. But look at what he says next, and I think this is where the rubber hits the road for a lot of us. It says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So here's the deal. If you're, re- if you're getting resistance, if you're getting attacked online, make sure it's because of the gospel. Make sure it's because you're, actu- you're accurately representing Christianity, not because you're a meddler or a jerk. Right? If someone attacks you because you're a jerk online, that's, not, that's on you. 
But if they attack you because you're accurately representing Christianity, Scripture says we're going to be blessed for that. Right, because here's the thing. Like, I realize that most people are not like me. I, again, I, I despise social media, so I, I'm, I'm through with it. I don't like it. I don't want a part of it. But the fact that a third of the world is on social media, a third of the entire people on, in the world are on Facebook. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so if you're going to be spending time there, do that as a Christian. All right, so that's, my, that's the first thing. The second thing I want us to really understand is that, that it's social media itself poses an overarching da- danger because it is presenting a narrative that is not true. It is presenting a false narrative of the world. The culture is promoting a narrative that is contrary to Christianity. This is, I think this is huge. Contrary to the Christian view of the world and social media is the tool that it is using to catechize us, right? And what I mean by that is that we are learning about what we are supposed to value from social media, and this is not right. As a believer, you don't need to be taught what and how to think by all the random people's opinions. I'll joke around about this all the time when I'll be like, well, it just depends. I don't know which is right. We just need to ask the most people, and the most people are always right. Well, that's not true, right? That has, noth- that has no bearing on the truth value of something with how much, how popular it is, right? In fact, if we're thinking as Christians, more likely the more people that are saying something kind of seems more like a broad path and a wide gate, right? Then it doesn't seem that's probably not the Christian view of the world. And I want, we need to understand this, that modern media is not concerned with the truth, right? Do you guys get that? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter what's true. In fact, um, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead to something I'm going to talk about later, but here's the deal. With all of these social media platforms, the reason that they're in business and the reason that the people who own and lead these social media platforms are the wealthiest people in the world is because they're in the business of making money. They're not in the business of truth. They're not in the business of making sure that you can connect with your high school friends. They couldn't care less. All they care about is you spending time on their platform. If you get get time, you need to watch the documentary, The Social Dilemma. Has anyone seen The Social Dilemma? It's fascinating, right? Because there you realize, and this is hilarious. I, I joke around this all the time. I get like spam email all the time. You guys get that. And uh, sometimes they're way off. But sometimes it's like I get like targeted ads for like knee sleeves. <laughs> and I think, how do they know my knees are bad? Yeah, I know. I did, and I get... Uh, I laugh because I got a, uh, an ad for, like, silver singles. <laughs> and I thought, man, what is it? What am, I, what am I searching for online that they think, I know, <laughs> this older gentleman? Anyway. The knee sleeves I thought were great. I was like, yeah, I'd actually need those. That'll be great. Um, but we need to understand that they're not in the business of truth, right? It's in the bu- they're in the business of making money. The, the more seconds that you spend on their platform, the more money they're making. So what do they want? They want you to spend more time on their platform. So they, have, they spend tons of money and research just to see how in the world can we get this individual person to spend more time on our platform. And not only that, but they'll feed you whatever information 
you want to see that they think is going to hold your attention longer. I mean, if, if you guys kept up with the news, that was about two years ago, there was this big stink on the pizza gate. I don't know if you guys, this is when like the rumor was, and I don't know what's true or not because evil people do evil things, but that there were this elite group of people who were ordering ch- child slaves and they were disguising it with pizza toppings as if like this is the type of child that I want to have, right? Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know there was a lot of false information out there, and a lot of that false information was there just so we would spend more time online looking at it. It doesn't matter if it's true or not, and it culminated with some guy with a shotgun raiding a pizza place, claiming they have children in their basement, and then it turns out that place didn't even have a basement, right? And so this guy had gotten all worked up over this. He believed it to be true because everywhere he looked, he saw information about it. Well, the reason why everywhere he looked, he saw information about it is because they're running algorithms on him. What's this guy interested in? He's been looking for this. Let's just feed him more of that. And so this guy's whole mindset got completely warped where he was ready to kill people in a pizza place that was just serving pizza, right? I know that's an extreme example, but that's what's happening to us. Whatever it is that, that they think that you're interested in, they'll give that to you, and then you are being shaped by that. Do you understand that? Like, you are buying into that narrative because you just keep hearing more and more voices about it. It's a campaign that is, that is engineered to changing the way that you think. That's dangerous, right? Because as believers, we're supposed to be guided by the truth. And we have, God has communicated to us in his word, his truth, and the narrative that the world is shaped by should, or that the world is living out, we should see shaped by scripture and not by some sort of alternative narrative, right? We, Christians, we see the world as creation. God created everything really, really good. Then we see it, the fall damaged everything, and then now we see an opportunity in redemption through Christ. That's, that's the narrative that we should be living our lives by. All right, the, next, this is where I'm gonna get a little nerdy. And that is uh, this book that came out last year called Live Not By Lies. It was by a Christian guy named Rod Dreher. He actually took the term um, from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian who had lived through, he wrote a book called the uh, Gulag Archipelago. I mean, he lived through the Soviet communist rule and then came out and then wrote about it. And he talked about this hard totalitarianism that took place um, in the communist rule. Are you following me, right? Okay, how does this make any sense of social media? I know, I'll get there. Um, um, and, he, and with that type of hard totalitarianism, that is if you speak against the party, what happens? Well, you're physically hurt or killed or put in a concentration camp. The things, this is still happening in areas throughout the world, specifically North Korea, right? So with Rod Dreher, what he did is he, he thinks, you know what? It looks like now our culture is living out what's called a soft totalitarianism so that you speak against the party, you're not gonna get put in jail. What's gonna happen? Public shaming, and that's what's happening. And so what this narrative, this social media is creating an alternate view of the world. And if you speak out against it, then you're going to get shamed. We see this happening all the time. The world is controlling. Oh, my wife's in here. I'm going to use her as an example. Um, it's weird. I know. What a girl. All right. The world of social media is controlling, that's curating the amount of information you get. It's curating what you get, 
right? I know this is almost trivial, but most news is fake news because everyone has an agenda for what they're trying to say. Now, and what's happening is that social media can do this specifically because they're controlling the, the way in which people are getting information, right? And so they can just censor that, so they curate it. Like, for instance, um, I, I don't care about politics much. I don't care what your political views are. I, we should not live in a world where the CEO of a tech firm has a louder voice than the President of the United States, I, I, regardless of who the President is. Like that, there's something backward about that because you think all of these social media platforms were like silencing the President of the United States, the leader of the free world, our commander-in-chief, and my wife. <laughs> this, it was so funny to me in January Leading up to the election, uh, Rock got silenced by Facebook. And you think, well, what was she talking about? I'll tell you. She was a part of this really, like, I mean, I don't even know, like, adversive, contrary group, revolutionary. It's called, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, it's called Whole30. And she had the audacity to be in a group of people where they were taking pictures of food and sharing recipes. I know what you're thinking, silencer, right? But it's just crazy because it's, they were, just, they were running some sort of algorithm and they're like, oh, well, she's probably a conservative Christian. She's gonna say things that are going to affect this election. We don't want that. Let's shut her down. And I just think, how is that? He goes, yeah, you didn't know that, did you? Yeah, I know. It doesn't matter. But that's the thing, because they're just, the, the ideas, they're shutting down anything that goes against that narrative. And then if it goes any further than that, then we just use public shaming. So if they're not canceling it from the top down, then we cancel it from the bottom up. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever, you guys know of a band called Mumford & Sons? Um, cool sound. Um, their, their banjo player, tweeted something about how he'd read a book that was eye-opening. And it wasn't, he didn't even endorse it. He just said, this book made me think. But it was, it was against the founders of Antifa. And so he got like all of this public outcry against him. And he apologized and said, I'm so sorry for the harm that my words have caused. And I'm going to be stepping away from the band and taking uh, some time out from public, uh, from public appearances. And I think, how crazy is this? That we live in a world where you can't say, this book made me think without the whole culture sh silencing you, right? There's something wrong with that. So, so let's look at what, uh, what, what Rod, Dreyer, Rod Dreyer says. I'm gonna read two quotes from this book. I think it's, they're just fascinating, eye-opening about this, the system that's controlling the information that we're getting. He says, once you perceive how the system runs on lies, stand as firmly as you can on what you know to be true and when you want you know to be true and real, when confronted by those lies, refuse to let the media and institutions propagandize your children. 
Teach them how to identify lies and refuse truth. Do your best not to be a party to the lie, not for the sake of professional advantage, personal status, or any other reasons. Sometimes you'll have to act and openly to confront the lie directly. Other times you will fight it by remaining silent and withholding the approval authority's request. You might have to raise your voice to defend someone who is being slandered by propagandists. I mean, this is huge, right? In, and again, if we're supposed to be controlled by the truth and teaching those little ones that we have influence over to be controlled by the truth, then we need to be focusing them on things that really matter. We need to be teaching them the truth of God's word, help them understand the narrative of the world as it really is, as God sees as revealed to us in scripture and not to, because here's the thing, the problem is it's so easy to get sucked in. It's so easy to get sucked in and have the way that you think get turned and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm not thinking in a Christian way. I'm not saying things Christianly. That's crazy. Look at this. He says this too. He says it's up to us. It's up to us today to take up this challenge, to live not by lies, to speak the truth that defeats evil. How do we do this in a society built on lies? By accepting a life outside the mainstream, courageously defending the truth and being willing to endure the consequences. So, I mean, that's the thing. If you are gonna be representing Christ well online, then you need to be ready to be canceled, right? And, and remember, that's not that bad. It's really not. I mean, there are, I, I read today, and uh, there was, a, I think it was, in Nigeria that there were five Christians that were executed on video and put online. Like, that's bad. But to have someone be like, well, now no one's going to see the things that I like and don't like. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, but here's the deal. The more time that you're spending online, the more your identity is formed by the approval of these countless people online. And if your identity is in that, then it is crushing to be canceled. But the problem isn't being canceled, the problem is where are you placing your identity? And we'll talk some more about that in a minute. Um, next, I'm gonna skip over this because we talked about that a minute ago, but that's what you're the product, right? With all these social media platforms, if they're free and you're getting something out of it and they're making tons of money, you're what's being sold. Right? They're selling the things that you like, don't like. They're selling information. They're selling the seconds that you spend on whatever website or, or platform, and they are targeting you. That's why they're making money. All right. Now, next, I'm going to jump in to something to, to, so that we cannot be happy. I'm going to talk about George Orwell's book, 1984. Um, if you've read 1984, man, it's sad. It is just so it was written in 1948, and he was talking about this is what it could be like in 1984, and again, he's got the, the state taking over. This is, he was envisioning in the West having a, a hard totalitarianism, but what's crazy is this, ha this hasn't happened. In fact, another book that I'm going to talk about is called Amusing Ourselves to Death, which everyone needs to read. It's one of the best books ever written amusing ourselves to death. He says that George Orwell got it wrong, but what's fascinating is I think if you combine this idea of what Orwell was talking about in 1984 with what Rod Dreher is talking about, of this soft totalitarianism, you're going to see what's happening in our culture today. Look, he says, and this is, this is a, a passage from the book. If you're from, unfamiliar with the book, it's not a big deal. It's just a sad dystopia where it was socialist state takes over everything, and this is explaining how they did that. So it's part of the reason for this was that in the past, no government 
That's really interesting. No government had the power to keep its citizens under constant surveillance. The invention of print, however, made it easier to manipulate public opinion, and the film and the radio carried the process further. With the development of television and the technical advance which made it possible to receive and transmit simultaneously on the same instrument, he wrote this in 1948, private life came to an end. Every citizen, or at least every citizen important enough to be worth watching, could be kept for 24 hours a day under the eyes of the police and in the sound of official propaganda with all other channels of communication closed. The possibility of enforcing not only complete obedience to the will of the state, but complete uniformity of opinion on all subjects now existed for the first time. What I'm saying is this hasn't happened with a government-imposed state power. It's happening with social media. Think about this. The ability to be um, under surveillance and propaganda 24 hours a day that then is controlling not just obedience to what the state wants, but even the way that you think about it. That's crazy. And what's, even, what's worse is 1984 looked really bad, but that was something that was imposed on people. What's happening in our culture is we're submitting to it. This is what we like. This is what we want. Because there's so many other convenient things that come from it, and it's fun, and it's enjoyable, and they do know that I need knee sleeves, so it's not that bad. But we need to be careful that we're not sucked into the point where we're being trained, again, by that. All right, next, I want to look at, we're, we're now at a place where news equals entertainment. Now, uh, that's the biggest, the biggest thing that this guy, his name is Neil Postman, he's, he was a professor at NYU. He was a Jewish guy, he's an English teacher, wrote this book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, and he's talking about how we are choosing to become dumber because of convenience. And I think, well, that's really prophetic, especially since it was written 30-something, seven years ago. Because um, he, he, he talked about how, you know, with the invention of the telegraph, right? Telegraph, you guys have heard of that, maybe from a history book, how, how with the invention of the telegraph, someone in Texas could know what was happening in Maine immediately. And he said, but no one ever stopped and asked, why does someone in Texas need to know what's happening in Maine right now? And he, he brings up the point that our culture used to be so focused on individual towns and communities. Everyone got the local paper. We wanted to know what was happening around us so that we could actually do something about it. But now everyone is focused on being the first one to know what's happening somewhere way out in the world in a place where we can do nothing about it, but we want to be the first ones to offer our opinion on whether we like it or not. Isn't that fascinating? What can you do with that? Nothing. What can you do with that information? Nothing. But we're... Our, our time is being consumed by that, right? So, and he talked about this again. Now, we used to have like real life news that would inform us on what's happening, but now news is a popularity contest. Like the, the, every station and outlet that's, that has, that's offering news is trying to keep you entertained, keep you moment by moment. We, even the way that we in the past 30 years, the way that we are informing people about what's happening in the world has changed because every 40 seconds we've got to switch and turn so that we keep people's attention long enough. And that's crazy that, you know, I joked around like news is fake news, but it, it's entertainment. News is entertainment. That's what it is. It, and it wants what? It wants you and your time. All right, look at what, look at what Neil Postman said. This is in 1985. I lied, it wasn't in 1984. This was only 36 years ago. Look at what he said, and this is, this is mind-blowing. All right, if you can remember, th- wait, I'm doing the math wrong. 
No. How am I doing the math so bad? Okay, and how old are you? I can't. Okay. I'm, I was born in June. We're like, that's why we're so similar. Um, so this was 35 years ago, almost 36. I don't know. Thank you. He probably thought about it before he wrote it. So who knows how long? Yeah, it's, these ideas are ancient. Anyway, I'm not good at math, in case you're wondering. All right, look at how prophetic this was. All right? He says, America, this, I'm, this is staggering. Americans no longer talk to each other. They entertain each other. They do not exchange ideas. They exchange images. They do not argue about propositions. They argue with good looks, celebrities, and commercials. Okay, he said that 36 years ago, before emojis existed, <laughs> before gifts. Because if, if it was true then, how much more true is this now? Not communicating in language, but with pictures and images. In fact, this is, to me, this is so damaging because the way that social media is presenting information specifically with images, because, you know, people say, you know, a picture says a thousand words, but it doesn't say so clearly, right? What does it do? When you see a picture of something, it incites an emotion inside you, right? And you think, I like this or I don't like this. In fact, that's the way social media is intended to work, right? It shows you a picture and you're like, like, don't like, favorite, share, whatever, star, heart, I don't know. Hashtag, um, I'm so tech savvy. But that's what's, think about it. It's getting us to think improperly. It's getting us to make value judgments in the opposite way. It says, look, see this picture? Isn't this happy? Isn't this good? And you're like, yes, I do like that. They do look happy. And then you think, well, why is it that I think that's happy? Oh, then this must be a good thing I approve. So like, what, a couple months ago when these three guys in California um, a judge ruled that they could be a thruple who could adopt a child. And you see a picture of these three happy guys with this baby. So many people see that and they're like, <gasps> happiness, right? That's good. In fact, I mean, I know that love is love, so that's good. And so I see this and I approve. And now some, I guess I think that it's okay for three guys to adopt a baby if they're going to be a thruple. But that's what's happening. And if we don't stop and actually think about it and don't let our emotions charge ahead and then tell us how we feel and then how we think, then we're going to get sucked in. He says this, look at this, this is, this is staggering. When a population becomes distracted by trivia, when cultural life is redefined as a perpetual round of entertainments, when serious public conversations becomes a form of baby talk, when in short, a people become an audience and their public business a vaudeville act, then a nation finds itself at risk. A culture death is a clear possibility. I mean, I feel like that's where we are. And that's, a, and that's sad. And then look, this last one. People will come to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. Oof, that hurts. I need to ask Siri what she thinks about that. <laughs> then I'll know what I think. But I mean, isn't that crazy? But I mean, this guy was so prophetic because I mean, this is happening. 
So let, let's look a little bit more specifically on how, um, on what and how to think, right? And I just talked about this. One of the dangers of social media is it often consists of pictures and videos that are intended to bring about certain emotions inside you, right? Instead of hearing an argument, making a value judgment, and then uh, seeing that everything through that lens, you see through the lens of your emotions. This is what makes me happy. This is what makes me sad. It must be good. It must be bad. That's what's happening. We got to be careful because What's happening is we are legitimately being brainwashed by the culture. And again, this culture is not Christian. All right, there's three areas that we have to have legitimate purpose resistance. We could spend a lot of time on this, but we're not going to. First one is a biblical anthropology. What I mean by that is what the Bible says about what human beings are. We know from the Bible that all human beings are created in the image of God and that they have inherent value as eternal souls intended for a relationship with God and eternity with their creator. There is no higher thing that can be said about anybody, right? You're an image bearer of God created for a relationship with your creator. Now, if we would filter all of the garbage, all of the arguments that are happening right now about with race relations through this lens, then we would have a better answer, right? Because people are saying, oh, well, I need value because I'm this. I need value because I'm this. I'm, I'm, I'm at this intersection of oppression, so I need this more value. Okay, here's the thing. For a Christian, I'm gonna say something that's controversial and that's okay. For a Christian, the Black Lives Matter movement is contrary to the gospel. And here's the deal. And I would say it's a, especially if we just take, let's forget about the movement, forget about the organization that started. We, we just take that phrase, right, that Black Lives Matter, that's the very least that you could say about someone. What Christians believe is not that Black Lives Matter, but Black Lives have an eternal value as image bearers of God, right? That, that transcends any type of perceived or actual oppression, right? We're talking about an image bearer of God, and if we, wanna, if, if, if we wanna talk about giving value, what about the fact that the blood of Jesus was shed for black lives, right? And you, we can apply this to any of these conversations that are happening in race, right? It, it doesn't matter. And we need to hold to a biblical anthropology that gives us a love for all human beings because they're image bearers of God. That's huge, all right? What about biblical sexuality? This is being attacked. I mean, this is under attack. I mean, not just with the thruple, but even with this whole idea that love is love. Well, that's garbage. You, can, you should love whoever you wanna love. No, you have to submit that to the truth. Right, you guys, I don't know if you guys know this, but there is an ongoing uh, litigation happening right now in California where a, where a parent is suing California for the right to marry their child. But here's the deal. If love is love, then you tell me what ground you have. What foundation do you have to say, oh, some dad can't marry his daughter. Absolutely, but here's the problem. If you, if you get rid of the foundation, if love is love, then there are no parameters. 
if you impose any parameters, you're the one who's a bigot, right? But what we need to understand is that, again, that sex is a good thing that God created as a picture both of the Trinity and of the gospel. And we value it because of that. And that's why we do, in a sense, and this you guys need to understand this, that anytime you're making any type of truth statement, you are discriminating. Do you understand that? Our culture has told us that uh, discrimination is wrong, but uh, if you think that all discrimination on any basis is wrong, then become a parent and choose a babysitter. You see what I'm saying? Like, if some guy's like fresh out of jail for sex crimes against minors and says, I'd like to babysit your kids, and you say, you know what? I don't discriminate on any basis. Then you're a terrible parent. <laughs> but we need to, we, anytime you're making a truth value, it is discriminating. You're taking, making a, true, a, a statement about truth. And so when we say, yeah, we believe that marriage is to be honored above all, right? Above any other human relationship, honored a husband and a wife, because in this, we see a picture of the Trinity and the gospel. And we need to stand by that. And that's okay, and that's good, right? Because anybody, anybody who makes a statement about sexuality, they are discriminating, right? Because all of these people right now, like in the LGBTQ community, there are a lot of them that are outraged that a, that a parent is trying to marry their, their child. Well, they don't have a right to be, right? I mean, we're seeing it happen over and over. It's, sometimes it's really comical. Like, you even have, like, this strong feminist um, presence that are upset about the, uh, about l the trans community wanting to be in sports of their chosen gender. Well, yeah, I get that. Because for a woman who is, like, the fastest woman in the world can, can be beaten in a race by some high school guys. There's a couple hundred high school guys that are faster than the fastest woman in the world. And so to honor her as a female athlete, she needs to be competing against female athletes. And so some of these elite female, female athletes are coming against that and saying, oh, well, you can't do that. Well, what's the foundation, right? We have a foundation because we have an understanding of biblical sexuality. And, we have a, and then the last thing, biblical, biblical understanding of love, we kind of mix those together. But we've got to hold to that. We have to. We have to hold to that because it's true and it reflects the gospel. It's a big deal. All right, next. Not just what we think, but how we think. Social media is training us to no longer be capable of sustained thought. This isn't just me making this up. This is what sociologists are telling us. If you want a, a really good book on it, a lady named Shelley Turkle, she's a professor at MIT, wrote a book called Alone Together. Part of what we're seeing is, and just think about it, right? Understand this, that your brain is always thinking, you got it, and training itself on how to think. Do, do you get it? You see what I'm saying? We're always thinking and we're always training ourselves on how to think. So if the way that you are training yourself how to think is to look at a, a bunch of decontextualized information really quickly and to make value judgments on it, then that's the way you're training your brain to think and it's incapable of having a sustained thought 
right? We're losing our attention span, right? Because that's the way social media usually works. You're just like, yes, no, yes, I like, I don't, I like, I don't, I like, I don't, right? So we're, we're, we're training our brain to take things out of context, which is never the right way to understand something, and then to look at it for an instant and make a value judgment on it. That's dangerous. It's dangerous for the way that we think. We're going to have a reduced attention span. It's already happening, and we're going to be, we're not going to be able to think critically, I mean, that's, as you train, especially parents, as you train your children, one of the most, other than leading them to faith in Christ, you need to teach them how to think well. And like we put this in place in our house by, I, all, I, I challenge my kids to always ask me why. Now this can be super annoying as a parent because usually you wanna say, because I said so. <laughs> but it's really good because I want my kids, and the way that we do it is I train my kids to, uh, if, if they want to do something, I say, no, don't do that. They'll say, yes, sir, daddy, why? That's what I want. I want them to obey immediately because there might be a car that's gonna run them over, but then I also want them to challenge me to have a good reason for not doing that. I, I got really convicted. This was when Parker, our oldest, was younger, and it was in the summertime, and he's like, he said, let's go outside and play because it was raining, and he wanted to play in the rain. And I thought, no. <laughs> I don't want to play in the rain, Patty. <laughs> so then Parker said to me, Yes, sir, Daddy, why? And I was like, well, to be honest, because your dad's selfish. I don't want to get wet. And then I realized that we have a magic machine at our house that you can put wet clothes in, and later they're dry. And I was like, man, that's, I said, you know what, buddy? I don't have a good reason. Let's go play in the rain. <laughs> and I, but I want my kids to think that. I don't want my kid, and this is part of it's because of me. This, I grew up this way. I'm, I was always asking why about everything, and part of it's because I'm a selfish jerk, and part of it because I really did want to know things, but uh, that's what I want my kids to do. I want my kids to grow up thinking, thinking well, and when they do something, I ask them, why are you doing that? What were you thinking? Usually they say, I don't know, but it's a good, <laughs> it's a good start, because, and because we, I mean, this is happening. We are thinking poorly. Americans are not good thinkers. They're not good thinkers because they've trained themselves to not be able to think well. Not only are we thinking bad things, but we're thinking poorly, right? So let's just think through this um, as, we, as we think about ap uh, applying just questions for introspection. You know, where do you spend the majority of your time? Again, I mean, where, where are you spending your time? You are your influences, right? You are a product of your influences. The things that you're exposing yourself to, whatever you're reading, watching, spending your time on, they're going to change you into whatever it is that they are. Be careful, right? Are you living on social media? I mean, it's crazy because if you even think through some of the terms that we are okay with in social media, it's creepy, right? How many followers do you have? <laughs> who, who are you following? That's creepy. 
hey, good to see you. You know, I've been following you for two years. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, we've even, we've even made the term Facebook stalking an appropriate thing to say. As if you could add an adjective, any adjective to the word stalking, and it's appropriate. That was Facebook stalking, and I saw this. That's weird. And who cares what your friend had for lunch? That, I have got to see, send me another picture of that burger. And what if people were watching everything you were posting and then wanted to talk to you about it later and they knew everything that you said? Would that be creepy? Yes, it would. Oh, yeah. What about this? Where you, this is the biggest thing for believers. Where are you finding your identity? This is a danger. It's so easy to allow yourself to formulate your identity based on the opinions of others and social media is just an alley-oop for that, right? Because uh, social media becomes just, it's just self-advertising. When if we're called to humility, why have, and why have at your fingertips most of the day the opportunity to counteract humility in your life, right? Are you getting your value from how many likes or tweets or retweets or favorites or whatever you're getting? If so, then that, your identity is misplaced. Your, your identity is found, again, the fact that you are an image bearer of God who've been, who's been purchased by the blood of Jesus, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's what you have been purchased with. That is your identity, and this is going against it. Social media tries to create a false savior for you by becoming your identity. You've got to be on your guard. You've got to be careful. Are, and then are you living just to post? We used to have people on staff, and some of them are still on staff, but they've grown and they've matured. They're like, they would go on like Instagram outings they would dress how, how they wanted to be seen by the world, make sure they're looking good, and they would go do stuff with the sole purpose of not like going and playing and enjoying the creation but, or spending time with each other, but so that they could capture that and put it online. You guys know what I'm talking about, huh? <laughs> it's embarrassing. Uh... Because it really does, like, does it just become the business of self-advertising? We, uh, I remember probably 15 years ago, uh, we were on a mission trip. The staff at Snowbird was on a mission trip um, to, uh, to an orphanage in Honduras. And we had, we, you know, just makes perfect sense. We also had a senior citizen class, a Sunday school class from a church in Florida with us, which is a perfect blend. <laughs> and... And I remember we spent this a ton of time. We were, I mean, a bunch of us, we were just digging like a, digging this ditch so to keep water from getting into the barn. And this older lady, sweetheart, just came up in a golf cart. <laughs> we have been digging for six hours. My blisters have blisters. In Central America, it's hot and sweaty. And she comes up, gets 
a shovel from one of the kids and goes, me do, me do, and does like this number, gets your picture taken, there you go, gets back on the golf cart, and I was like, yeah. (laughs) But this is what social media is. That's what it is. We gotta be careful, right? And then a couple things, one, two more things will be done. Am I, is that the right page? Yeah, okay. Remember that you are in a battle for your heart and for your mind. You gotta be on your guard. The world is filled with spiritual warfare. Social media is the virtual theater of spiritual warfare. Understand that. It's a real battle. It's really taking place. And, and there's a real enemy and he wants to control your mind. He wants to make you inert as a Christian, ineffective, right? Um, understand this. We're constantly being shaped by influences. We need to be conformed not by this world, but be transformed by the ruin of our mind, right? We, every youth group has that Romans 12, 1 and 2 on it, right? Don't be transformed by this world, but, but or don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't just allow your mind to just get sucked into thinking what the world thinks and how the world thinks because we've been called to something different. We've been called to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and with our mind. And that's the beauty of Christianity is that the deeper you go into Christian theology, the the more blown away you are at God's brilliance and at the brilliance of Jesus, right? Some of you might need to take a break. Some of you might need to get off completely. And the last thing is this. Uh, yeah, love the Lord with your mind so that you can think better and you can think as a Christian. You need to read. Read books. Just read, read good books. There's, a, there's lots of them out there. Um, we even, Snowbird has like a list of like 120 books that you could read. That should take a couple years. Um, and then I, I say this, the last two things. Be a standard, uh, set a standard of purpose resistance so that you can be a light of the gospel in the world that you're in, right? You need to be a light of the gospel. That's what you're called to. If you're a Christian, you're called to be a light of the gospel, both in your daily interactions with people in real life and online, right? Don't lose your Christianity when you log in, all right? So uh, let me pray for you guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be done. If you guys have, if you wanna talk about anything, I'm gonna be in here, but I think we're also going to, no, I think this, the room's set up. Do we need to change, do we need, does anybody know? We're good. We don't need to change anything about this room. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to be done, and there is not another session after this, right? And that supper is going to be at whatever the app says that your cohort is eating supper. All right, let me pray for you. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.